As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, storytellers of all ages. Lend your ears to co-hosts Brad and Philip as we delve into the Marketing Your Attraction podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Marketing Your Attraction podcast. I'm your host, Brad, and I'm here with Philip. We have some interesting topics today. We're going to be talking about some news stories about artificial intelligence, and then we'll be diving into our main topic about business partnerships, different partnerships out there for your attraction, pros and cons of, of all the different possibilities that are out there uh, with partnerships and why they're so important when they're done correctly. Philip, how are you doing this week? Oh man, it's crazy. I just got in from Chicago and flying all around and in less than a week, I'll be at uh, teaching classes in Philadelphia uh, this weekend actually. Um, well, that's going to be crazy. Uh, <laughs> at a, at a, the National Hunters Convention in Philadelphia. So that'll be interesting. So if anyone's out there, you know, come say hello. I, before we started doing the show, I never realized just how many Halloween attractions and conventions are out there. Sometimes I wonder if there's more expos about Halloween than attractions. Yes. I know that's not true, but it feels like every single week you are at a different Halloween expo, convention, seminar, symposium. And then there's all the stuff in between, all the lighting stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's good that you're, you know, you're keeping busy. You're, you're not getting bored over there. I'm, I'm just about to kind of kick off... The, the busy season here at Knott's Berry Farm, we open our new roller coaster, Hang Time, this coming Friday on May 18th. So we have a full week of media events and uh, uh, very early in the morning, live remotes with uh, live broadcasts uh, you know, for KTLA and other local news stations. So it's a, it's a daunting but exciting week ahead. It's one of those, it's one of those weird things that is finally here. I remember when we first broke ground last year on the coaster and watching those first, the first, the demolition of our older ride boomerang that used to be there. And then they started clearing the dirt and, you know, here we are less than a year later and we have a brand new coaster 
that's already open and previewing to guests this weekend. So I'm really excited to show that off to the world. And we have media coming from all over to see this all over the country. And I think we even maybe have a couple of uh, international journalists as well, not to mention a ton of coaster fans. So that's, that's what I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. And then once, once we get that open, we're just off to the races with, with summer and, um, and then probably mid to late June, I'll be able to start focusing on Scary Farm mm-hmm. with 75 to 80% of my time. So I'm excited. It, it almost feels like the end of the year is already coming, even though yep. not even halfway through. <laughs> yes. I'm working with uh, this uh, convention in January, actually, to like plan uh, their main stage panel and like, uh, you know, come up with the panel design, the topic and, and, and invite, uh, panelists. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I'm already thinking and, and, and they want, you know, you know, with these things, um, they, they like to get that lockdown early. So we have like in a few months I have to put forth who's going to be on the panel and and write everything for it. And it'll already be like a January thing. (laughs) It's like, wait, what year is it? (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's always hard to stay in the present while you're also planning the uh, you know immediate future and then you know next year's events and yeah it's it's always interesting with the the attraction industry as you know especially in our business there's just a lot of a lot of ups and downs and you go from okay I've, I have uh, you know I have to do this huge event that's coming up in a few days but then I also have to keep my eye on this other big event that's coming up in a few months and, and juggling all of that and I think uh, I think one of those things that might be able to make juggling that a little bit easier is all of this new artificial intelligence that's that's coming out uh, we have a few all of our news stories we, we have a few uh, news stories about artificial intelligence and I feel like that's been the biz the big buzzword in the news for the last couple of years but now it's starting to become you know more and more talked about on the marketing side and this isn't necessarily a marketing story but I thought it was a really interesting news story coming out of Google so Google had their big, uh, I believe they call it the IO conference where they announce everything they're working on. They give you sort of a preview of what's coming in the future. And Google's always working on dozens of, of interesting things, both in marketing, mobile, search. They have their hands in, in so many different industries now. And what they announced this week was Google Duplex Assistant. So they announced that they're working on this assistant that is an AI system for natural conversation. And the demo they showed on stage was incredible. They designed the system to be able to call businesses to get hours for Google My Business and Google Maps. That was the original design of the system. And what it does is it sounds like a human, this computer sounds just like a human, can call up businesses and get information from them. And so they've now pivoted from just being able to get business hours for their own uses. And they're they're now able to have this AI system have natural conversations with a human being to make hair appointments, reservations, can order, you know, food, all, all these different things that, you know, you normally a, a real human or a real human assistant would be doing is now being done by an AI. And the human on the other line has no idea. Mm-hmm. You have to check this out. They have it on the googleblog.com and uh, it received a lot of news coverage this week. It's supposed to be rolling out before the end of the year. It's incredible to see that AI is not now just not theoretical, but it's finally starting to show practical mm-hmm. uses. What do you think about this, Philip? Oh, it's terrifying. It's a little terrifying, isn't it? Yeah. 
No, it's not just a little terrifying. I mean, I, it, you need to go on, on here and listen to these examples because I thought it was absolutely terrifying. I mean, it was, it sound, sounds like, like, I mean, literally it just sounds like a regular conversation. I can't, yeah. I can't even process. I mean, even like, um, you know, the, with the voice just being slightly like disinterested and blase, I mean, like there's personality to it. It's, it's nuts. My, my last comment there on the AI thing is just going to kind of be to watch out to, as this evolves on, um, the F like kind of the efficacy of everything, you know, like the, our, our, the laws and, and the way that our, uh, like societal framework is set up is not really set up to deal with the innovation in technologies. There's all these, um, periods where we're going to have these, this like shaky ground. So I would just be careful when using some of this stuff. Right. Um, like there's that famous example of the, uh, target, um, target campaigns, you know, where they were able to use predictive AI even a decade ago to accurately, um, tell when women were pregnant. And, um, then they realized they had to make it seem like they didn't know when people were pregnant because people didn't want them to know that they were pregnant. <laughs> But there's also, I mean, <laughs> probably probably efficacy issues with Google calling businesses, <laughs> you know, and not disclosing that it's uh, an AI. But yeah, and I think I think they did mention that at least at the start they're going to to mention that it's an AI when they first call. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I haven't read enough news stories to tell whether they added that after the uh, after the all of the kind of the outcry and controversy yeah. about how creepy this thing was, or if that was always planned into it. Yeah. Uh, I do Probably mention not. in their blog post that uh, they are going to have it announced that it's an AI. It's still really creepy. Yeah, it's still really creepy. Yeah. So the uh, the first news story that I'm, I'm bringing is uh, from Martech uh, from MartechSeries.com, and it is a uh, score an AI based app unveiled for social media marketers and influencers. So the reference I made here in the show notes is um, if you've seen the latest Black Mirror season, uh, the first episode. Uh, where there's that like it's the one with that girl and like all everyone has a rating and like that's how the whole society is determined right like your rating determines like your uh you know like where you can live and what qual you know your job what you can qualify for and all that and, and everyone that you see like can kind of rate you and interact with you and and um you know it's a really crazy story um that's really like not far off as in <laughs> probably by like next year <laughs> um, and i just kind of uh the first kind of the first app so that's been that sort of rating series has been um a type of uh, technology that uh like large marketers like like large brands have had some capability of for quite a while um so it really isn't even that far away from uh, like the black mirror episode, but now there's finally one that's like available, um, to kind of regular people, um, which is really, 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 um, uh, crazy, but basically it's, I'm reading here from the article, um, score aggregates and analyzes content across six major social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. Unlike traditional ranking influence marketing measurement systems, SCORE delivers insights based on sophisticated data-driven technologies and patent-pending algorithms, including sentiment and emotion analysis, natural language processing, link analysis, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. Their three approaches are measurement, monitoring, and improvement. So, um, and it gives you like a rating. So, um, 
so basically kind of to put this in context, remember when Brad and I were last episode, we're talking about um, how you have to kind of figure out whether an influencer is real or not. So this, this would like do it for you, right? Because it, every, every human, right. Um, and maybe not humans. We'll get to that in the next news article. Um, we'll have like a score rating, which basically means how influential you are to not just like, not just kind of in general, but like to your media audiences and then people that are using it can use it to figure out how to get better um, at, at ranking higher. So this is definitely just the first wave of this. You know, they may say patent pending algorithm, blah, blah, but it's going to be like, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of these start to hit more the mainstream marketer. Um, and I think that this will definitely, this, this already is in use in, in some capacity. It's been in use for quite a while, actually, uh, for larger firms, but it will be used, um, I think, you're going to start to see this roll into more, more stuff. It's already used now, even stuff like Amazon, you know, they, and if, if you think back, this is really just an evolution of, of what we should be doing with our customers, right? Which is identifying which ones are, you know, high value and then making sure that those customers like, you know, receive a different type of treatment or that you kind of allow for things. Um, it's the basic tier system, but now just kind of apply that tier system to like all of society. Yeah, this sounds like a, a more sophisticated version of clout, the, the clout score. Yes, I, I remember it was clout. interesting that this article came out and this announcement from SCORE, which is S-K-O-R-R, if you want mm-hmm. to learn more about it, uh, came out the same week that clout announced that they were closing down. And, and I think it's interesting that some of these older you know, businesses, I think cloud had a kind of a good idea, but they went about it the wrong way. They never really evolved from what... Yeah. I understand they just sort of had that overall, that one score about how influential you were. And based on this article, scores taking that step further, as you mentioned, why analyzing sentiment by analyzing based on different areas and demographics. So, you know, this person might be really influential in attractions or cooking, but they might not have any influence in, you know, business or pottery or, you know, whatever subset of interests or categories Mm -hmm. that, that your business is interested in. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. I'm glad more of these tools are coming out as, uh, as I spent a lot of time, you know, both of us spent a lot of time talking about last episode was just how much uh, fraudulent activity is out there in the influencer world. And this next story that you, that you found, uh, uh, looks like there's going to be even more fraud coming as yes. artificial intelligence becomes an influencer. Tell yeah. So this next article is just one I randomly pulled up from Oxios, I believe. And um, it's kind of titled The Twisted World of Social Media Influencers. I think that's a retitle. It's, it's this weird meta thing. So there was this social media influencer, quote unquote influencer account that was hacked. And, you know, that's pretty normal, right? But the thing that made it, so here it is, it account by a popular progressive Instagram model and it links to the model, a million followers was... Um, and now it's at 1.1 million followers was supposedly hacked last week by popular pro Trump Instagram, like a different model. Like it was supposedly hacked by a different model. And then like, there's all this like scandal about what's going on and everything. Here's the thing. <laughs> this is funny. Cause it, I'm just reading from the article. Neither model is real. Although one is verified by Instagram, they are computer generated imagery, CGI models with massive followings. And in some cases have racked up actual advertising. I'm, I'm, I've added that act up real advertising deals and music profiles. Uh, so they like had music profiles on Spotify and Apple music. Um, <laughs> 
So no one knows exactly who is responsible for these accounts. I'm reading from the article still um, and why it matters. Um, these accounts are often by Instagram and the Federal Trade Commission standards considered to be commercial enterprises that are subject to same advertising disclosure laws as real models. These accounts sometimes don't adequately disclose sponsorship information and it can be difficult for the FTC and other regulators to crack down. So, I mean, I think the article hits on some of the main points, but this is just one of those things where you're like, what is, you know, kind of one of those like, <laughs> um, yeah, so apparently, um, you know, we had like Grumpy Cat and we've had all like the animals, that whole like animal influencer phase, which already was sort of, um, get, got a little bit fuzzy, right, with influencers. And then it's like, well, it's whoever owns the, you know, owns the animal, but then like how much of his IP and what are they required to disclose and not. But now we're into the territory where like the whole thing is just made up. And these are people that are just like receiving sponsorship money and they have music, CGI. <laughs> And I'm just, it's one, I just, just, it's just crazy. You know, it's just crazy. And I agree with all the points here in the article about like, there's supposed to be regulation for, for this type of thing, but how do you regulate something that isn't real? And then like, you know, where's the line for like AI and, and, and like all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and tying it back to our industry a little bit is, is there, I always try to look for opportunity. Uh, even though a lot of these uh, stories we're talking about this week are sort of, uh, I don't know, they feel like the beginning of a dystopian future. Um, <laughs> but, but I do, th- I do wonder like, are some of these AI influencers in a lot of ways, like a character, like a Mickey mouse or, you know, green witch by uh, back in the day, scary farm had the green witch running our, you know, social account, which of course was, was an employee running it, but it was through that character's perspective. And, uh, it's amazing how much influence and engagement these, uh, you know, fake AI, uh, they're not even really AI, I guess they're like CGI characters Mm -hmm. are, are getting. Um, but I do wonder if there's more, if there, if that just shows there's a really big opportunity for creating, original IP. Uh, have you seen any, any like smaller like Han attractions or any attractions out there that have kind of built accounts around their characters? Yeah. Um, that's actually fairly common. Um, I get a good deal of examples in classes too. Um, where, um, and then it just depends, you know, sometimes, uh, the characters have their own social media accounts and the character, which is separate from the business, um, which allows them to maintain their character's persona, but also still have like a regular business uh, customer service type of thing, um, which I think is a pretty good idea. And that character kind of does, you know, does their thing. Um, And then sometimes the characters kind of um, run the social media or sometimes they just appear in it, but it's still just one social media account for the attraction. Um, yeah, I, I've seen it done uh, like kind of like several ways, but not anything like necessarily like this where it's, you know, purely CGI. But I have seen, um, you know, characters be created. Um, and um, that's a pretty popular technique. And actually, there's a whole article on it in the new issue of the magazine we'll be mailing out in June, which is on uh, the cre- creation and crafting of icon characters uh, from Michael Burnett, who used to... Um, make all the universal icon characters. So. Oh, awesome. Oh, I look forward to checking that out. And that's in the seasonal, seasonal entertainment source. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Anyway. So interesting thing. Um, just another one of those things of, um, 
you know, if a CGI character can do it, then you guys should make your original characters. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's opportunity out there. That's for sure. Um, in, in our market, the Queen Mary's done a great job of really creating those icon characters. And uh, that's right. It's pretty similar to what uh, Universal Orlando has been doing almost since the beginning, I think. And I'm, I'm sure that article goes yeah. into a lot more. It's definitely something to keep an eye on and, and an opportunity out there. And also, uh, you have to check out the article that Philip will include in the show notes. Yeah, it's really creepy looking at these CGI. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> but <very weird. laughs> the other neat thing uh, for you guys, too, as a takeaway is like, you know, I mean, these are just CGI. And I mean, it's it's at least it's good examples of the type of content that you could do with um, with an icon character. You know, if, 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 if your team is kind of struggling where you're like, well, you know, what, what, what could we really, you know, I, I think too many times people make icon characters and then they, they do, they don't do enough to engage the icon character and actually make them human. And, and the reason that this is my slight rant here, but this is, this is all applicable, I promise. So I think one of the reasons that these accounts are, is doing so well is because, um, it, they may be CGI characters, but they are they they have like normalcy they have like this human normalcy in in the types of shots you know like it's it's just the regular kind of kind of uh, content that that you would see like you know it's one sitting on the floor outside it's like overheating oh because it's so hot ha ha you know and it's so human right um and there's just like in desperate vacation like at the airport and there's just like hungover but make it fashion <laughs> like you know where you're just like hungover and like eating hungover stuff but you have sunglasses on you know there's like all these human pieces to it i where i see a lot of mistakes with icon characters is that you people seem to think like people seem people seem to think that you, that like you can embody like rough concepts and you can't like the way you you win is by humanizing uh the theme of your attraction and the icon characters serve as like a vessel for that for that human humanizing so you can't um it can't just be a bunch of like really spoopy dramatic not real <laughs> pictures that that's just vague stuff you know it, it needs to have that uh, humanity component that's why you would have an icon character um like just doing cute things like um to use like the knots examples like the the snoopy stage shows you know they're always like struggling with like really regular like human issues except you know they're not humans you know it's like snoopy and cartoons but like they're all just like you know regular like how do we celebrate christmas like i don't know and then they're like struggling with that um uh that's a great point. And I do think sometimes, uh, and we're guilty of this or I'm guilty of this as well as uh, sometimes you want to make the character so over the top and yeah, what would, a you know, what would like the green witch do in this yeah. situation? And then you just start to get crazy and, uh, and it just becomes off as silly. I think a lot of times and, and your fans aren't able to connect to they it. They can't relate to it. And, and then it, it makes it not successful. And like all you're trying to do on social media is like relate to people. Exactly. Exactly. Um, anyway, so main topic uh, today is in a world ruled by AI, business partnerships could be your differentiator. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Exactly. Where, where should we start with business partnerships? There's so many different ways to go with this topic. And we're, we're just going to sort of give a broad overview of some of the partnerships we've we've worked on ourselves and, and ones that we've seen other attractions work on. Uh, but this is this is just the start of, of, of a conversation about partnerships. And if we get good feedback on it, maybe we'll dive into it a little bit more. Um, but hopefully we'll kind of cover some of the main partnership opportunities out there for attractions. And if you're interested, you can always email us or, um, you know, Google and of course learn more that way. I guess first and foremost, I always recommend for attractions of all sizes to really go to the CVB because the convention visitors bureau, um, kind of is, you know, exists and they're supported by tax dollars to help encourage tourism in your area and a good CVB and maybe if you guys are interested, you'll let us know. It might be something that we like bring on um, a CVB person uh, to talk about uh, like the process, but um, to get their perspective, but uh, a good, good CVB um, contact will build You know, they'll, they'll let you know what they can do. That's kind of free, which usually is just like reposting your information. But the more important thing is that they'll connect you to other businesses um, that they think can can assist you, and that's generally through like chamber of commerce or just other active businesses. So um, that's really, I think, where that lies is that connection. Um, you know, because they they work with all the hotels and they they kind of like know the whole scene. So especially if you're a new attraction or if you haven't tried too much of this before, you know, you you want to work with uh, the hotels and and they know like they they know all the general managers and they know who's gonna be willing to try something out and you know who won't and who needs it to be proven first and who needs what kind of data. You know, they kind of know all that. That's their job is to really connect people together. I um, mean, to really just manage the tourism in the city and they want you to succeed, which is really a good place to start, you know, because they, they, they want you to be successful and bring in tourism and grow and then bring in and sell hotel nights. Um, so I would always start there, um, and just kind of feel it out and get some, uh, some stuff in. And, uh, as far as examples, um, I hear a lot of examples uh, when I go and, uh, teach, um, what I've done is I've, I've worked with business partnerships on the whole gambit. You know, I've worked with, um, like radio stations and, um, for co-promotion and I've worked with uh, hotels and I've worked with all that. And even, I would even venture to say that the symposium we did last year was kind of a partnership with knots. Um, you know, so I think there's, it's kind of on all levels on in all dimensions. Um, and the haunts I've worked with, um, and I've talking to students, you know, they, they worked with them on all levels too. You know, some, some, um, in my last class in Portland, you know, th there is a, a woman who, uh, she's kind of like one of the only things in the city. Um, and so she works quite heavily with the city and it's actually a pretty big thing for their city. So she works directly with the city and they work to get, uh, to use like city owned land as recreate for recreational purposes. So she gets land and they help her with parking and with kind of organizing all the buses and all that. And even on smaller scales, I've, you know, you've heard a lot of people working with local Halloween stores that are smaller chains, uh, to sponsor 
decorations or, or like sponsor a room or sponsor one type of thing inside of a attraction and work with them to create that or um, do a cross build thing where they'll build something for the store that'll be branded for their attraction, but the store gets something and they get something in return um, all the way to working with um, getting food for your actors or getting, um, you know, kind of discounts, uh, whole, like wholesale food orders uh, for your staff if, if you're next to a restaurant or just things like that. There's, it's, it's like the whole gambit, right? It's runs the whole gambit. Um, what about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I think your advice of starting with a uh, CBB, the Convention and Visitors Bureau, which they're also sometimes called uh, DMOs, the Destination Marketing Organization, because like all industries, we have to have multiple acronyms <laughs> for the same thing. Um, but we, we work with them all the time at Knott's Berry Farm. We, we work with Visit Anaheim and Visit Buena Park. They're two of our most important partners. They help us at trade shows. They help us connect with other businesses. They pr promote us and, and the entire city as uh, you know, as through resort guides, uh, they help us partner with hotels and it's a very valuable resource. And, and those, those two in particular do a great job of bringing the city together, the chamber of commerce, all of the different organizations and businesses in the city as well to uh, brainstorm different ideas. And it's just a great place to, to start. Um, as you mentioned, another promotional partnership that, uh, that we do a lot of, is through uh, quick service restaurants like McDonald's, Subway. These are obviously bigger partnerships. These were, you know, we're an attraction that generates, you know, millions and millions and millions of guests every year. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that a, uh, you know, McDonald's is probably going to work with a smaller attraction. Uh, but as you mentioned, there's a lot of smaller restaurants that are not McDonald's that are, you know, more than happy to work with with different partners and and even looking at like local coffee shops who have their little bulletin boards where you can put, you know, flyers and postcards on. These are all great ways to reach audiences for little to no money. And I always think about, okay, how, how can we make this partnership beneficial for both our business, but also their business. So for our promotional partnerships, it tends to just be a ticket trade. You know, if we're working with a lot of uh, smaller radio stations or doing ticket trades, there's not even uh, you know, money exchanging hands because then they can give those tickets uh, for giveaways. They can uh, you know, give those tickets to employees. Same thing with some of the smaller restaurants and chains that we work with as well. I loved your example about the Halloween store. I think that is, I mean, that's a targeted demographic for any type of Halloween, uh, you know, haunted house out there. You, you know, that people that are, are going into a Halloween shop are interested in Halloween to so try to figure out you know, how, how can I make a, a win-win partnership with a Halloween shop um, like that? So those are, those are a couple of, um, of different, you know, partnerships and, and promotions that, that we've done. Uh, and, and also, you know, other local attractions that are not necessarily competitors. Uh, we, we work with like Medieval Times sometimes where we'll, we'll do a joint social program, uh, and a lot of, a lot of area hotels. I mean, you have to sometimes be careful when you're working with other attractions that could be competitors. But a lot of times I think there's, there's more opportunities than people think that are out there because those hardcore Halloween fans that you're trying to reach, 
or the people who are right on the cusp of, you know, I'm using Halloween as an example, but you know, any type of attraction fans who are sort of right in the middle between the already hardcore fans that are going to visit every single attraction uh, or they're, you know, almost to that level. If you can work with your, your partner attractions out there and you could do a, you know, a two for one special or a combo special or something, I think it's important to look at competitors and see if maybe there's a partnership potential out there or at least talk to them and see what they're thinking about. Maybe you can get good insights from them as well. And I think the final partnership, and this is really more of a, of a business transaction than a partnership, are all the different resellers out there, everyone from Gold Star to Groupon, uh, all those ticket resellers. And that can always be a double-edged sword. I think, I think it's a necessary evil for, a, I don't want to say evil, I'm going to say a necessary tool, a, a double-edged sword for, uh, for a lot of attractions, especially smaller attractions on those slower days when you, you, know, you have to discount through Groupon or Gold Star because they can add a lot of promotional value, but you don't want to always have to rely on discounting your, your tickets. Cause I think a lot of the customers that, that come on to uh, a Groupon or Gold Star, they're not going to become that loyal customer that they're not going to become necessarily that season pass holder. They're going to jump from deal to deal to deal. And that's why a lot of businesses I think have sort of stopped working with Groupon as much as they used to. But I think at the very, very least you should look into those ticket resellers because they can be, they can be your, your very good friend when you have a ton of additional inventory or, you know, VR reservations or whatever your attraction is that you need to unload very quickly. Uh, they can help put a lot of promotional dollars and a lot of eyeballs in front of your attraction. And even if you have to give up a lot of margin for that, that can be worth it sometimes. You know, we're just scratching the surface. There's a lot of, a lot of avenues you can go and it's very specific to your area and to your attraction too. Yeah. And I, I would say too, um, when you're looking at partnerships like this, you know, be, um, don't discount it uh, because you think it like might not work. You know, it's like, and, and don't think, um, I guess don't try and make it too complicated. And sometimes you'll get people that don't make good partners because there's a lot of red tape, but sometimes um, it, it, it's such a wide gambit. I would really, I'd say don't, don't like kind of think yourself out of it, you know, go ahead. And if you think there might be value added, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask and then kind of see from there um, whether or not it's going to be a, big ball of red tape or not. So I think a lot of attractions or, you know, people get stuck cause they, they're like, well, I don't know anybody or, you know, any of this thing or, or whatnot. And it's like, well, you know, even if you're in a, a larger attraction, you can just, uh, you know, call them, <laughs> you know, like call, uh, call the marketing department at somewhere or, you know, um, call usually, usually there's a business development person, um, or you know, marketing or business development or business outreach or any of that kind of stuff would be, be who you're looking for. Um, and then exactly. they, they usually can tell you cause, and a lot of times these are these really, these types of partnerships don't really have anything to do with uh, monetary. I mean, the resellers as Brad said are separate, but everything else is really just like, um, deals. You know, we, like we, we do a lot of deals with trade shows and it's all just, um, <laughs> it's really just like, um, well, what do you guys need? And then, and, you know, asking them what they need and then being honest about what works and doesn't work for you and what you could do, um, and how much effort it would be. And then, um, we don't really assign, assign values to stuff like, like the best partnerships I've had. There's been like no assigning of value. It's just been, this is what, what do you need? This is what we need. Okay. 
what, what can we do? And then, and then you kind of just write it up into a little one page. This is what we're doing. And those, those have been kind of the best that I've done. Um, that kind of just go outside of this concept of, uh, of like monetary exchange. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Do you want to add anything before we, uh, we wrap up episode 11? Yes, I have a few things that'll be in the show notes. Um, one is I found some influencer examples um, that I'm including um, in the show notes for this week, but for last week's episode. Um, so if you if you're you know looking at show notes, you'll see some examples of other influencer cases. One from uh, my my tales of whiskey, and one from Mabel Six Feet Under in Anaheim. And then I have two announcements. So our uh, annual leadership symposium is uh, happening July 30th. And uh, there's a code here. Uh, if you use Gantam Insider, you get $30 off. So that's a code that is reserved for people that attended last year, but I'm just going to give it to you guys anyway, because I'm too lazy to make a new code. So I'm just going to use this one. So Gantam Insider, uh, one word for $30 off. If you guys want to come by, it's July 30th in Long Beach this year. And then a reminder that uh, the Seasonal Entertainment Source uh, magazine is shipping out again in June. So if you want to get on the list uh, to get your copy, it'll come out in June. And uh, I have an article in that, and Brad does as well. So, woo. Yeah, no, I'm excited to, to read my article again. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to check out all the articles in there, actually. Uh, and like you mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, you have that great article about icons, which I didn't even realize, mm-hmm. about, you know, how you can bring characters to life. So I'm excited about that one. And I, I feel like every single issue of, of the magazine uh, brings different insights that you just don't get anywhere else. Cause unfortunately there's not a lot of places where you can learn about the attraction industry. And, uh, and I feel like your magazine does such a great job of talking to the people who are actually working on these things and bringing them to life and has a lot of actionable uh, ideas and suggestions. So I'm always looking forward to, to every issue. So that comes out in June, you said? Yeah, it comes out in June and um, trying to kick off what you said, we're adding a uh, quiz yourself section uh, to this issue. Um, so I'm trying to make the articles a little more um, actionable rather than kind of just, you know, relying on the reader to kind of take action. Now there's actual quiz questions and exercises for you to do with your team at the end of every article. So uh, I'm really curious if any of you reading um try it out. Let me know um, how they go, you know, <laughs> cause they're kind of remind me of my days making lesson plans for college, but it's uh, so it was fun, but it'll be interesting. So nice. I look forward to checking it out. Well, I think that's everything we have for this episode, episode 11 of marketing your attraction podcast. Have a great week. As humans we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.